0: Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of The Skin Reel. This week,
1: I am thrilled to have a not just a dermatologist on with me, but a researcher and an entrepreneur who is really changing things, not just in dermatology, but in medicine. I have Dr. Davul Yasali joining me today. Thanks so much for being here.
2: Absolutely. My pleasure.
1: Can you introduce yourselves to the listeners?
2: Sure. So I'm a board-certified dermatologist uh, based here in Hudson Yards in New York City, but I'm a bit all over the place. I went to undergraduate med school in Michigan at Michigan State residency at Mount Sinai in New York City, and I do a bit of everything. We started some tech projects mostly around affordability, and increasing drug access. I built a platform for skincare products and buying devices called AIR. I've done a few skincare lines. We did Amazon's first skincare I helped formulate that one. We did one recently with Haley Bieber called Road, and we have another project coming out soon with Martha Stewart. But honestly, more than anything, I tell people I'm still a doctor, and you know, our job is to serve, and a lot of our projects are geared towards service. That's kind of the, the beginning and end of most of
1: it. I think that's so critical that, first and foremost, you are a doctor, you're a physician who still takes care of patients and sees them. And you are sort of on the front lines seeing what some of the problems are in medicine and then coming up with solutions for them, which is really, really cool. How did you get the idea to start your pharmaceutical company, Skin Medicinals?
2: Medicine is backwards, very honestly, right? Up until recently, we are sending faxes. You know, we live so far in the past in medicine and it's both a blessing and a curse. You know, obviously it's a curse because it does make logistics a little bit difficult in the office and slow things down, but it's a blessing because we can do something about it. This started a few years ago. Truthfully, we had a who were paying, I don't know, $20, $25 for medications. Those same medications, same insurance were now three $400, and I'm sure it was the same for your patients. And I mean, back then there was a bunch of lawsuits from the government against generic pharma manufacturers accusing them of price fixing. None of us really ever knew what happened with any of those lawsuits, but the prices have never come down. And that's the truth of it, right? So, you know, I respect regulation. I respect, you know, the governing bodies, but sometimes they're also overwhelmed with things and we can't wait forever because every second of every day we wait. Unfortunately, patients suffer the most. So we ended up building a technology platform because many of us had been doing compounding for a while anyway. But the biggest issue with compounding is A, it wasn't efficient. B, the prices were very high. And so I thought about like, okay, how do I a, solve the first problem, make it more efficient instead of sending those faxes or trying to call around and figure out what place had what we tried to figure out if we can zero in on a couple of pharmacies that might be able to make kind of a listing of the things that, that we needed, right. Things that weren't covered by insurance. I, the idea was that if we had enough people who thought this was useful, we could hopefully negotiate down the pricing a bit to make it more palatable for our patients. Cause inevitably if the price is so high, it doesn't matter if it's compound or not compounded it's still not accessible, right? So if we can start pushing, like some of the steroid medications are only $20, acne medications were $30 without insurance, whereas usually they're $45 with insurance, including just the copay. Sometimes when there's $0 copay, it doesn't mean it's $0. It means it could be thousands of dollars to your insurance company, which will increase your premium long-term, which again, that one quick little medication may cost you thousands of dollars over your lifetime and you'll never realize it. And that's part of, I think, us as Physicians becoming more educated because I don't think we really realized that for a long time as well. And so, you know, the idea was very pure. It's like, let's just see if we can help and do something about it. Truthfully, it's been, it was a project. It was never meant to be that big. It's been very humbling. I think we've crossed 11,000 dermatologists using it at this point, and I don't know, I think 600,000 plus patients. You know, if you were to tell me when we started it as a little idea that it would do one hundredth of that, I would have been shocked, right? And so, you know, my hope is that for anything I do, people look at it and be like, oh, I definitely could do that, right? Or I can do something similar, or I can do, I have an idea, I should, you know, I should do it. Because at the end of the day, I think all of us doctors, we're all in this together. And the more that we step in and try to solve problems, the better off we'll all be. And the problem is most times we rely on tech companies or government agencies or businesses to come in and solve our problems, but nobody really understands our problems and they often solve problems we don't even have. And so the motivation now is like, okay, so, you know, this is what we're doing. You know, how can I support you in doing the same thing? And, you know, again, hopefully we're just an example of one of many uh, long-term that are trying to solve problems within our field and obviously medicine as a whole.
1: It really has helped. I know for my patients, I would write them a prescription thinking I'm doing the right thing, writing a generic prescription. It shouldn't cost them more than you know, 10 know $20. And then I get a phone call saying it's $300 at the pharmacy. And I'm thinking, what just happened between today and last week? I think patients think we know what the price is, but I was just as surprised as they were, especially for a generic drug. And it's frustrating. It's maddening. And it's the patients who suffer because they can't get these generic, simple medications that we're trying to write that can really make a difference. And it's great that we have this company. And I think it's these young doctors like yourself coming up, realizing, wait a minute, this is so backwards. We can do this better. And I know our patients love when I tell them I'm going to write them a prescription through Skim Medicinals. I can tell them exactly how much it's going to cost and that they're going to get an email and they have to put their credit card information in and then they will get that prescription sent to their house within a matter of days. That's just what people are used to nowadays, right? You do things online, you get it sent to your house, all for a great price is really a win-win for everyone.
2: I don't think, again, people realize this. You can even go Pharmacy to pharmacy and get different pricing with the same insurance and the same medication. And really, it's luck of the draw. And that's part of like this lack of transparency that occurs in medications. And I've talked to retail pharmacies. I'm like, how do we solve your problems? How do we create better transparency for you? Because, you know, like I understand there's certain things that, you know, we can't compound or this. And you want, you know, retail pharmacies to do well, you want them to also thrive. But there's a lot of inefficiency. And like, how do we make this a better process? And that's a lot of like, Again, it could be synergistic. Like my hope with all of this stuff is that we just as a, not just derm, but like medicine, we just become more transparent with things. So I could go to med school 10 more times and never understand how these things are priced. And it's just baffling, right? And, and doctors, we don't understand. The patients don't really understand. And there's just like, there's so much gray area that we need to solve for.
1: Absolutely. And sometimes I feel like it's confusing intentionally, you know, to to not be transparent, which is even more frustrating. So do you work with a number of different pharmacies to get the prescriptions that you all offer, or do you have one pharmacy that sort of makes everything? How do you get the whole variety that you have to offer?
2: Right now, there's two of them. One on the kind of close to the West Coast, one on the East Coast, really just to get shipping times in place, but also to to handle volume. Again, one of the blessings is we grew a bit quicker than expected. And the idea is like, how do we still do this in a quality way? Like, how do you really deliver a good experience? Because at the end of the day, this is the hard part. A poor experience by us can potentially reflect negative on the doctor, right? That's something I'm very mindful of. Like, I don't want one of my colleagues to suffer because we're having shipping delays or this or that. So we try to build things with efficiency. Again, a lot of it was like, or like reprogramming the pharmacy infrastructure and rebuilding their tech pipeline so that we can build something that's efficient for them. You know a lot of what we want to do is like make this more efficient for everybody and so it's been a lot more work i don't i'm not sure people quite understand how tough it could be to essentially build into a software that's so old, for like a better word but but you know it comes to the territory whenever you want to do your own thing and really disrupt you have to take the good and the bad right nothing is easy so it's been part of the learning experience you know for myself and you know, even with the pharmacies, I'm thankful that they're kind of willing to play ball and allowing us to kind of redefine how they're doing things. And they've taken obviously a chance on us, especially on the compounding side. And I'll also just add that like, compounding as a whole has such a bad rap because there's definitely some bad apples in that space. So, you know, again, like we learn from, right, we're trying our best to be open, transparent. We're trying to do everything the right way. Anything and everything can be done the right way if, if you actively pursue it, doing it the right way. Kind of something that derms were actually doing for, I don't know, 30, 40 years, 50 years. And then it kind of fell by the wayside as the bigger pharmaceutical companies came through. But it's kind of part of our DNA also. So, in a weird way, it's actually nice to kind of go back to the roots of what we do and be like real doctors and pick specific ingredients for patients and personalize the, you know, again, the tailor make, like, you know, the options for the patients. Like, I I do think there's something kind of amazing in that. Um, And For myself, if I can not write five prescriptions or six prescriptions for a patient and really make it more efficient so there's better compliance, better other things, I I do think that's a positive.
1: And hopefully by being sort of a disruptor in the pharmaceutical field, it will force these other companies who maybe are relying on these archaic systems to step up to the 21st century and modernize and and make their products more efficient, more cost affordable, because, you know, I'm certainly going to go with the safest, most effective and most cost efficient product for my patients. And, you know, other pharmacies are going to have to keep up if they want to stay in business. So I think that's another benefit of what people like you are doing.
2: We're looking at other fields right now as well. I mean, there's a lot of unfortunate Kind of inefficiency in healthcare as a whole, but I, I hope other doctors, even in their fields, are like, hey, why aren't we doing something similar? Why aren't we doing this? Because medication should not bankrupt people, which unfortunately can. We have a recession coming, this and then You have to be mindful of every dollar spent, right? So, yeah, I think other fields there's a lot of potential for disruption in the in a positive way, with how people practice medicine. And I think we're in a place where I think doctors are now educating themselves more and more about what they're capable of and what. It's okay for them to pursue and to try to figure out, like, "quote unquote" side gig can mean a lot of things, right? It could be having a podcast, it could be building a tech thing, it could be a skincare line, it could be real estate, it could be lots of different things. But I think the idea of unlocking that part of the brain that allows you to even, like, accept that you can do something else outside of your day to day and think a little bit broader beyond the four walls of your office or whatever it is. Like, I think that's the trick, right? You never know what kind of magical stuff will happen thereafter. But the idea is unlocking that a little bit of curiosity that you can actually pursue something like that's been the really the fun thing to watch over the last couple of years. And my emails, I've had so many from doctors being like, Hey, like I saw what you're doing. I'm I'm doing this. I try my best to support and, and I can't obviously talk to everybody, but I do my best to advise, encourage, whatever it is. And I'm looking forward to this next crop of projects, companies, ideas coming from doctors. And that's where I think real innovation will happen
1: no one teaches us this in medical school it's all you know patient care and sort of pathophysiology and things like that but i do believe like you a component of taking care of patients is also looking at how do we fix this system how do we make it work because right now it's really not working for for patients for healthcare workers and you can still take care of patients outside of your clinic walls and we see the problems firsthand, and how can we delve into this and and try to come up with solutions? So I think that's really powerful, and I'm I'm glad to see it's uh, empowering other doctors who really should be taking the charge in this, which I think is great. So you started Skin Medicinals in 2018. In those four years, you have saved patients over 200 million dollars in prescription drug costs. I mean, that is amazing.
2: Like I said, it's very humbling to watch. you don't really have expectation when you're doing things like this. You, if you can get a couple of your own patients to be happy with you, I feel like that's the win. and I think actually now we're over a quarter billion, which is crazy. I want us to be a good example of what any doctor can do if they are willing to go on a limb and, and kind of jump, and that's what I'm really like my winner of all of this stuff, obviously patients I'm so thankful and happy for. but you know I think this is the first step in a much longer journey for healthcare entrepreneurs and I, I really encourage anybody who's listening to this who happens to be in medicine or even if they're not in medicine you want to get involved in healthcare like we need it right because you can positively impact lives and my favorite part about sm is truthfully the patient emails we get like i can't tell you how many times we've had emails coming like i couldn't afford my medications save me or you know we've had such positive feedback you never think about that stuff when you're starting out you're just like i'm i'm just going to do my best and see and even honestly, the one thing I want to make sure I emphasize, I can't take all the credit for it because one of the coolest things about this is I really think that this platform has been kind of unifying for doctors and also allow them to provide more opinion than they otherwise would feel, right? So I don't know if you've noticed this, but we ask for feedback all the time.
1: Sometimes I provide it when you haven't asked.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine, yeah. And that's take feedback from others. I mean, you can't accept every single possible thing, but you always, you you always you still absorb it. And then you try to figure out, like, how do I make this work for everybody? And we've tried our best to incorporate the feedback. We keep it simple, but every little change, it's we try to make it impactful. And to get it to where it is now, where it's just, based on where we started, it's not me. It's, that's, it's everybody. And it's one of those things where you know, the cheat code I have is I can ask my friends, like, what is the best way we can improve your life or make your office more efficient? Because we have the same problems with so my office in New York, maybe different than your office, maybe different than the academic center we're at or, you know, wherever it is. And so trying to understand like, how do we solve as many problems as we can for everybody? Like that's the goal. And and again, I think sometimes in entrepreneurship or business or innovation, we only solve the problem we know, but you have to remember there's much bigger problems and and much more kind of diverse problems out there. So we have to kind of be aware of as much as we can.
1: What, What do you think is next on the horizon for dermatology or beyond dermatology medicine?
2: I read a funny article today that dermatologists are the new skincare experts again, because it's also weird that they weren't for a bit, but now it, <laughs> it's.
1: Well, I'm glad we're back.
2: <laughs> exactly. But it's nice because even on social media, I mean, we have audiences that we can share our expertise with, which I think is really cool. You know, I do think I'm very encouraged by seeing dermatologists. Their opinions are meaningful now. People are like the average consumer now is choosing science, which is really, you know, I think really positive. And I think marketing and stuff, people can kind of read through it, which is, you know, really nice because we, I think as doctors, sometimes feel helpless. We're like, Jesus, I'm worried by the consolidation, obviously on the business side of things with healthcare, but it's this kind of slippery slope because I do think efficiency is necessary. Right now it's like medicine is, is served in a very legacy format. And until you kind of revamp it, you can't quite fix the problem because some of it's beyond fixing. You need to kind of redefine health, Right. And one of the big things I'm a champion of, I don't believe in going to a doctor only when you're sick. I think much like you're doing your workouts, like you should have a system in place with, okay, once a year I'm getting my physical for this. Even I always tell my patients, my parents are a little bit older, I tell my patients, like if you're over a certain age, check your blood pressure once a month to see where you're at. Don't wait for a doctor to tell you if your blood pressure is rising or that stuff. I'm kind of more of a preventative mentality. I think if people accept that, like I want to maintain health, as opposed to again only go see doctors when i'm in a negative you know situation or something is wrong then i think people have much better long term you know quality of life life just because you know i think i've shared with you you know we have a colleague in our office a, a dermatologist who's been sick and she opened my eyes to like look like i am not indestructible like i have to take care of my body take care of my mind I should go, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a primary care doctor. I need to go see one. I need to get the, the right test, the right this. You know, it's not just me. I think all of us really should start looking at it because whether it's for our families, our kids, our parents, whoever it is, like, you know, we have a duty for our patients to, you know, do our best to kind of maintain who we are so that we can also serve others.
1: That's right. Yeah. If you're not taking care of yourself, it's hard to take care of your family, your patients, your, your friends. <laughs> I don't get knock on wood sick that often, but when I am, I'm like, oh man, this really sucks. (laughs) And, uh, you know, your health, we take it for granted when we have it, when it's good, when everything's going great. And a lot of times not until something's not going well. And then you notice and you realize how, how bad it is when you are feeling, feeling bad and sick. So
2: what's that saying? Like the healthy person has many wishes, the sick person only has one.
1: Yeah, that's right. Right. Yep. Like it's
2: so so true.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What can patients do in this kind of crazy world and expensive drug cost and things like that? Do you have any advice for anyone listening who is a patient?
2: It's worth having an honest conversation with your doctor about like, hey, this is really expensive. Can we is there any other options? We're told it's a certain price. I always have a role with any of this pharma reps. Yeah, I mean, we don't really let them in our office anymore, but prior we used to have a three strike rule, right? If you tell me it's this Cost for my patients, they pay more than that at Strike One, and it could happen. It could be a pharmacy error. If happens again, Strike Two. If happens third time, you know, I just I can't support that medication because, like I said, I can't put my patient in a position where they have to choose like their livelihood or their health. Like I have to figure out other options, right? And it's my duty to care for them. So I can't, you know, I have to be mindful of all this stuff. And while it's really not our fault, the background games and medication pricing, ultimately, it still comes on us. We have to do what's best for our patient, or at least the best we can, right? It's okay to advocate a bit as a patient. I don't think doctors get upset by it. I think communication is important. You I know some patients get mad at us. We truthfully have nothing to do with it, but it's okay to have that conversation with your doctor. Be like, hey, is there any other options? And you know, even with SM, like I'll never tell people they have to use SM or not use that. Like it doesn't, it's whatever is appropriate, always and forever, right? And there's no hard of S rule. I mean, everything should be a personal decision, personal, like patient to patient, person to person, doctor to doctor. But I think having that conversation, whereas we kind of felt embarrassed about it before, I think as, you know, even as a patient, you know, I do worry about it. So if I check, you know, I have imaging or something I had to do for, I had hurt my shoulder, I should figure out how much it costs. Cause I don't want to, you know, get stuck with a few thousand dollar copay or whatever it is bill, but that's normal, right? It's okay. You know, you don't have to be embarrassed to have that conversation because it's, it's, it's practical.
1: So can you tell us where uh, listeners can find you?
2: So on social media, it's at Dr. Bonasali, uh, which is, I think, across all platforms. And then here, I'm, I'm based in New York City in my office in the Hudson Yards, although admittedly not taking new patients at the moment. It's got kind of a little bit crazy. So we're playing a little bit of catch up right now. But with social media, my big thing with social has been to educate, right? And I know that I can't see every patient, but I think it's been really fun to watch dermatologists educate patients and make them kind of more knowledgeable on what to look for, whether it's ingredients, procedures even skin conditions, like these things make a difference. And, you know, I always equate the, I think it was like Hugh Jackman, Say he shared his basal cell on his nose. I remember I had two patients come in within like six months of his first post for full checks who were less than 40. And I picked off two melanomas because of a social media post. And so I always tell people like, you know, social can be used for good if, as long as you use it for good. My hope with my own channels and this and that is that we can educate people and you know, again, if I can't see somebody in the office, at least they can see a little bit about me and I can teach them something that's useful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We, we realize it's hard to get in to see a dermatologist. So hopefully I know that's what I'm trying to do here on, on this podcast too, is just give people real factual information from a dermatologist. And I know that's what you're doing on your platform. So that's great. I really appreciate, you've taken the time to talk with us and share this amazing stuff that you're doing and um, how you're advocating for our patients and for our profession. It's really impressive and uh, inspiring. So thank you so much, Dr. Banyasali.
2: Absolutely. My pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't want to stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, blog posts, and so much more. Until next time, skin friends.